Alejandro is a screenwriter, actor, and theatrical director who wants to be on the forefront of merging theatrical story and augmented reality. JC does voiceovers and game design. She loves to power lift, and she dreams of owning her own game studio in the future. Together, two friends talk about film, theater, video games, travel, books, obscure anime, and life through the eyes of two working artists while they sit at a big-ass table in North Seattle. Welcome to Others at the Table, a podcast by weirdos that the weirdos don't talk about. Okay. <laughs> All right. So... <laughs> We are talking about one of the quintessential 90s movies that has impacted us both, despite our different circle of friends and upbringing. And that is Dark City, directed by Alex Proyas of iRobot and The Crow fame. Here is the synopsis. Was this 97? Uh, I'm trying to see here. Shit, dude, I don't know. I think it was probably, I think it was like 96. Okay. I'll, I'll take a swing to that, but, you know, people probably know we're wrong. Um, it was exactly one year before The Matrix, I know that much. Because The Matrix was, was it 99 or 98? 99. 99. See, that's, see, let's just not okay. think about anyway. dates right now. All right, so here's the synopsis. And then you understand why we both love this movie. When John Murdoch, Rufus Sewell, whatever happened to him, who knows? Wakes. Well, he, he, he's on Man in the High Castle right now. He's he's still he's a oh he's still man. around. Oh yeah, people actually man. watch that. Yeah, third season renewed. I haven't watched any of it, but he's a working man. Wait, wait. He deserves to be. Wait. What? Third season. Do you know how thin that book is? Third season. Third showrunner. Oh, okay. Well, we know where Rufus Sewell is. <clears throat> when John Murdoch wakes with no memory at all... Uh, excuse me, not seeing that right. We'll do this again. When John Murdoch wakes with no memory at the scene of a grisly murder, he soon finds himself hunted by the police, a woman claiming to be his wife, and a mysterious group of pale men who seem to control everything and everyone in the city. Starring Rufus Sewell, the illusionist, Keither Sutherland, TV's 24, Jennifer Kennelly, A Beautiful Mind, and William Hurt, A History of Violence. But for those of you who actually have a little bit more uh, old school taste, let's talk about William Hurt in Gorky Park. Now, why are we talking about Dark City? Because Alejandro, out of the blue, blue. out of the blue, brought this fucking movie up and it brought back so many memories such memories i am like digging for my 90s circa era dark city soundtrack cd and i can't find it yet but it's here somewhere goddamn it <laughs> so why did you bring up dark city can we can we do this like a documentary we're going to reenact something I'm gonna I'm gonna ask my actual question. You'll give me as much as you remember of your response. Okay, let's okay. try that. Have you seen Prometheus or Dark City? I've seen them both, and Prometheus is garbage. Well, there, there was it was just it was Shakespearean. It was just sound like what? And you no 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 you don't say, mention any other movie. Oh, I said no. Okay, okay. I said earlier when this question was asked. What? How dare you? You don't put any other movie after Dark City. Dark City is its own fucking sentence. You don't couple Dark City with any fucking thing. Just like you don't couple The Crow with anything. Just like you don't couple Train Spotting with everything. They are movies on their own and you do not pair them with anything. That's not what I said, but I added to it. Are we done? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, I mention it because, going back to an earlier episode, they are both movies that explore Gnosticism. Are we really? <laughs> are we really? A serious degree. Are we really going back to Gnosticism again? Okay, I know, we'll you put know this what? like six right. episodes down the line if you want. Um, uh, but, <laughs> but, 
But oh I just thought, God. because I thought I knew that you, if you had not seen Dark City, you would dig the hell out of it. And you have seen it, and you do. Makes sense. So I wanted to ask, because I thought it was interesting, uh, the con- the connection. Because the other already came up in conversation, there's one of those universe synchronicity moments. Because Dark City, while not a direct translation, has, for one thing, consider... Is this a spoiler warning? I would try not to spoil things, but this. I'm know, pretty sure if anyone is listening to <coughs> us talking about this right now, and they haven't seen Dark City, they are never going to see Dark City. So no, spoil no, away. Can people can l- watch Dark City. Maybe by the end of this, someone will go. I will. I did. They'll send a letter. There's some proof. Dark City was okay. Finding someone who hasn't seen Dark City already and will see it and love it, is trying to find someone who does not know who H.R. Geiger is. It took me until I was 23. Do you not see that, yes, it should have taken you to your 23 because you're 10 years younger than I am. All right? I'll give you a little bit of that because it's an obscure, it's one of those obscure movies that when I was a teenager, when it came out, it was the talk of the nerd corner in my high school. So much so that even the nerd kids and the goth kids got along. <laughs> that was like a Pollyanna movie. Yeah. See, I think that for me growing up, I... If you went down and watched like home movies of the way I grew up, you would find it really fucking weird, I think. And... Alejandro, because... we're both really fucking weird. <laughs> why well, I would that, I be shocked? Yeah, no, it's just like I. You're right. That's why we're here. That's that's the whole. That's what this is. It was just that because my father was very unimpressed by things that are contemporary, and so your father was a snob. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was just, he, he was Argentinian fully. He was very passionate about whatever he was into or not into. Passionate about not being into it or about being into it. It's like, if he didn't do this thing, he could tear it down in an instant. If he loved this thing, he could make you love it in an instant. That's a very, that's a very bipolar way to live, but oh, all right. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, and so I grew up in like, I could quote you, have you seen The Court Jester? No. Who is in it? So Danny Kay. I know who he is. Angela Lansbury, first role. I know who she is, but I've only seen her old and pruny as hell. Is she right. still alive? I don't know. But. Go ahead. She was blonde and beautiful. Is. Aren't they all? And then, <laughs> But then the real one that I had the crush on was Gene Simmons. And in this movie, which opens with a musical number with little people and Danny Kay, Called you'll never outfox the fox. The fox being abandoned in this faux medieval setup. Now stop. Yeah. Don't you ever talk bad about Danny Kay again? No, I ne- I'll never talk bad about you Danny You will never Kay. ever talk bad about not. Danny Kay again. No, I will not. Of course not. He's a brilliant, beautiful, fantastic creator, performer, human being. I wasn't talking bad about him. I love this movie. I'm just saying, like, this is where it opens. And eventually, there's the plot is, is this, um, there's been a coup. There's a baby who has the, the true mark of the of the realm on its backside. It's this little purple rose. And the, That's what they call it? The the outlaws have this uh, have the baby in the woods and Danny Kay has always wanted to be like the spy, you know, the, like the, the adventurous one. Um, but he's relegated to entertainment and he can't stand it. And so it comes time they need to move the baby. And so he and this woman he's of course in love with um, take the baby and in the rainy night, I have a beautiful lullaby just about that, and I won't start singing it now. Um, another guy comes in, Giacomo, king of jesters, jester of kings. And he's going to the castle, so they have knocking him out. Danny Kay becomes the court jester, goes in, and then he gets caught up in an assassination plot, and he gets spells put on him, he becomes a swordsman. It's madness. The point of all this is at one point he's forced to improvise in front of the entire group of, of gathered nobles and the, the, the king and all that and people who think he might be actually an imposter and all that. And he does this like giant monologue called the Maladjusted Jester. 
which I can do all of. And it's a, oh, it's a whole wordplay poem. And I, you know, I memorized this. The point is, like, I knew shit like that. Okay, so And that, that was, like, my... Ver- so the point is that I missed... I was... Because of the way I grew up, when I grew up, I missed all the stuff like Dark City, like, the things that you would be into. You know what? Yeah. I can totally outclass you with this. I know the fight scene word from word from Melanie Griffith and Don Johnson's epic movie with their kid Elijah Wood, Paradise. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you don't like chicken. I I, I guess you got both sides of it. Excellent. What is that? Why don't you watch it? Okay. Paradise? It's Elijah called Paradise. Wood. Okay. Okay. And okay. then you can listen to Don Johnson's heartbeat afterwards. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So now that I'm done bragging, I guess, if that's probably what that was. Um, oh. <laughs> oh. Are you sipping your tea? Oh, I'm sorry. <coughs> with the, your with your finger out. Okay. The pinky's up. <laughs> it raises slowly. With a big ass glass, not even dainty. Powerful pinky snobbiness. <laughs> so, um, Dark City. The strangers. They are experimenting with human beings to try to discover what makes the soul. And they've trapped human beings. They trapped what basically the the light the light of the soul, if you think about it metaphorically like that, in a prison. And they are forcing, working on it, trying to understand it. And it's trapped there. And you need to get out. If that's the first wake up is when you realize you're living in night. That it's always nighttime, and that there is something actually working, but you can't understand what it is. And that is part of Gnosticism. That Gnosticism is that the spirit and light are trapped in matter. They would not create children because they thought that was the worst crime, to trap light in matter. Ergo, so too, Dark City. Murdoch's name mirrors a character from Gnostic mythology, you could call it. But I mean... Okay. Um, there's also the fact that the um, that it's a male force acting on a female, sort of lost female, killing the women, and then Jennifer Connelly's character, and all the imagery about clams and Aphrodite, um, and that relationship between ma- the masculine and the oppressed feminine. And then also the strangers are very parasitic. Likewise, there was um, there were entities in Gnostic mythology called the Archons, and they were the parasitic force that was keeping humanity trapped. There are some very interesting parallels between the two. And then um, Prometheus, I st- I don't even know how it happened. I stumbled upon someone's breakdown of how everything from the way that life is created, which is basically a science experiment gone wrong when the when the muscled albino man eats the black goo and dna spreads um everything from that to elizabeth shaw giving birth to a squid-like parasitic creature through accident and is now then the wounded feminine um and that thing goes on to possess and parasitically trap other life and so this, even if I, and then it also like the way that it portrays the scientists who we can all agree on are absolute jackasses and dumb and should not be scientists, that they're written that way for a very specific reason, because they're trying to demonstrate a certain kind of science and its follies and its blindness. And so it broke it down this way. And I thought, well, you know, I'm, maybe I can give Damon Lindelof not that he needs it, uh, some credit for actually trying to do something really sneaky. The same way that Alex Proyas was arguably doing. 
you don't ever mention that word, but it's all the same like information translated into a different context. It's like doing West Side Story between you know Romeo and Juliet between Palestinians and 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 Israelis, for example. It's like it's the same story but a different language for it. Or maybe someone just has too much time. I don't know. <clears throat> I would not have known about Gnosticism until you brought it up. Um, I'm completely and woefully ignorant about this symbolism you're talking about. I, completely ignorant. I just kept wondering why wasn't there any black people in it? <laughs> I mean, is that horrible? I was like, they could have found an albino or something. I mean, they, they do exist. Oh, in Dark City. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even then, I was just like, damn. <laughs> like, I don't even see, like, an Asian dude in this. Like, it's just straight-ass white people all over the place doing white people things and eating corpses and shit. <laughs> um, and then uh, I was like, all right, you know, I want to see where this goes. And truthfully, it was Jennifer Connelly. I think it might be Connelly. Connelly? Jennifer yeah. Connelly? I'm yeah. sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm not a celebrity person. I apologize. Um, she brought some warmth to that movie that made it heartbreaking mm. to me. What, what, what did you see in her? What? I don't know. It was not even... It was feigned desperation covering true desperation. Ooh. You know? Like, you you knew something was up with her, but you also knew that there was something broiling under the surface that was real. Like, they couldn't complete all the programming, you know? Hmm. And she brought that. And it was this this desperation of I need your warmth. Like I need that from you. She had a need with him always, but it was this desperate agonizing need. And that's what made that so awesome to me. It was like distinctly or instinctively. I would say it was even distinctively because the world was so jacked up it was hard to know really who was friend or foe if you get my drift like the world itself was just completely and utterly devoid of anything that was natural even the brick didn't look natural you know well so, so you're saying you're almost that, that that like that's the way they were actually seeing their world for for me just yeah. for me personally the pallor didn't really stun me i didn't really feel menace you know yeah. i just kind of felt the whole place was menacing even jennifer connelly was kind of menacing like everything was just fucked up it does have it does dread yes well there is just a shadow on the edge of everything hanging there so it's like not just dark it's it is there's a heavy that was one of the few movies i've ever watched where i looked at rufus Sewell's character and i just said he's not going to survive this Re like that was that that's why that movie just got me everything was dark and if it had light it was sickly fleshy kind of light and it's like there's no way there's there's no place that's bright in this everything's dingy like that, that that if if he didn't have the powers but like if if you look at him as a as a as a spirit as a consciousness that is waking up to its circumstances and then you know that it has hope but that there is no place to go. You can see the whole map and say, there is, this world has been built. There's a cat. That this world has been built a certain way and that they're just the dread of there actually not being a way out. Yes, Bailey. Is that that good kibble? <laughs> <laughs> He's just, I don't give a fuck about you, lady. <laughs> He's just like, shit. They probably want to hear me chew more than they want to hear your intellectual ass. <laughs> Fucking hipsters. 
still fucking going. <laughs> like, I guess I've discovered I'm not a good, like, movie critic. I tried to do that. They all just sounded the same. I don't know. That movie. Right. Had no hope about it. I don't think I have recently seen a lot of movies as of late that would make me want to invest in in a trip that I know is going to end badly. I was actually surprised with the ending, but it wasn't really a, a happy ending for me, if you think about it. But Dark City and Lost Highway have places in my heart. Lost Highway. It was kind of this sense of the artistic red brick American artist. You kind of think about it. And I wasn't even American. It was like this gritty, city, dungy, underbelly kind of art scene film back then. Like, you know, you had your, your soft, kind of warm, powdery lighting in that movie era. You know, a lot of, um, a lot of black lipstick and, you know, short dresses and angry glares and sassy conversations. But you also had this kind of grungy underbelly delve into man's soul kind of movies, you know? Your comment about, you know, hope and, 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 you know, people and because lost yeah lost highway he there's a such a weird imprisonment situation going on there could could it be fair to say that that's connected to what you were growing up with reflecting something an experience it was one of those movies i don't i don't think it's like i don't think this is a 90s kid experience because i was born in the 80s right it was more of the sense that you knew you were watching something special when you saw these movies. These movies put in this sort of understanding of the fine film before it and then basically wiping its butt crack on it anyway. Like, we're going to take your themes, your stories, your plots, and your conversation, but we're going to put a techno-artistic, grungy spin on it. And I mean... Dark City was kind of like the sci-fi version of that. Hmm. Dark City reminds me of the sneaker pimps for some reason. I don't know why, because that group made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> like they made no sense, but they still rocked. <laughs> you know? And this movie is just, it's like bound, you know? It's like those kind of movies. Like they just had like one word or two and you knew you were fucked if you watched it because you were going to come out of there educated in something. Like I knew from Bound that lesbians will kill motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> and look good doing it. Um, This movie itself, like as far as like this, I don't understand this. I don't understand your symbolism of the spiritual basis, but I do understand that everyone in this movie had a need and it was all just predatory no one was a victim really in this story everyone had a need and they were going to eat each other to get it you don't really get movies like that anymore um and i'm not saying like oh they don't make them anymore it's more of that's considered indie film this is not considered an indie film Right. This had budget. So how can you gamble with that thing? Yeah, I mean, but this was a good gamble, right? They don't do gambles like this anymore. I mean, it wasn't a big, you know, commercial hit at the time. No, but it, it's a it's one of those classics. Yeah. It's a classic movie. You know? I mean, I guess is that is that the language you're using is that correlate to why like Donnie Darko is y- a Yeah, cuz it was you know, it's kind of like you have people who are guitarist fans who love like 70s rock and that whole, you know, acid rock or whatever. When they say there's no good guitarist anymore, but then, you know, you get an answer like Kurt Cobain and they s- kind of snub their nose at it. 
where he wouldn't be as technically sound as like yes from you know the band yes but he brought a different genre of music with him just like run dmc you know mm-hmm. rappers delight and all these other whole you know old school hip-hop artists they brought something different these movies are so enjoyable because to me this is like the 90s version of metropolis mm. yeah that covers yeah echoing that you know I was just angry that this wasn't longer. (laughs) Like, this was one of those things that these movies where I was like, this could be like a four hour epic and I would sit through the entire thing. Well, and it's, it's it's an odd juxtaposition because I expect if you had the choice to teleport and live in that world and then be there, would you take it? Others at the Table is sponsored by Gilmore Studio. Located in Seattle's Old Valor neighborhood since 2012, Gilmore Studio offers training in the Meisner Technique to individuals that are committed to developing the skills and qualities essential to truthful acting. All classes are taught by Greg Gilmore. Greg Gilmore studied acting with Sanford Meisner at the Neighborhood Playhouse in New York, Robert X. Modica at his studio in Carnegie Hall, and William Alderson at the Alderson Acting Studio in Hollywood. Enrollment is based on an interview with Greg Gilmore. For further questions or to schedule an interview, contact info at gilmoreactingstudio.org. For more information, check out gilmorestudio.org. I mean, spoilers, right? Let's before the before before. Would I want to live there? Yeah. No. Okay, but. By watching a four-hour epic, by watching a two-hour adventure, you are being there. And if you, there is something about that experience. Of that I'm not saying that you wanted that you that you were lying. It's just it's it's an interesting juxtaposition that you wouldn't actually want to, and yet as a piece of entertainment, as an experience, you do go there. Because you're a sensitive, responding viewer, or something. If it, you dig it, it really... I could see myself living there and being depressed all the time. Right, like, which is so why you wouldn't actually go do yeah, it. Yeah, it's not about the dangers. It's just like that is a place that is forever coated in depressing slime. So, by, and yet you spend time in that world. This is like that Hard to Be a God movie I showed you. Like, right. I know somebody who, we watch clips and he's like, I actually just like the experience of, of being, being dirty. Of being, of be the moistness of that world. And moistness. Yeah. The seeping and the moist <laughs> of that world. He just enjoys that. And so I'm not saying that you want to live in your city, but you wouldn't actually go live there. And yet for two hours, you feel that way. I felt, when I watched that, I felt, I felt like I was a citizen of Gotham City. Yes. Yeah, it, can, it does like, capture something. I like saw that. myself in in my hair up, and I saw myself wearing that kind of 50s, 60s nostalgia wear and me clutching my coat and, and just trying to power through. That's something that is changing the way for, that you live your reality from. It's like you, for a bit, when you feel like you are somewhere completely different, what is that? People talk about whatever, astral projection, past lives, whatever. What is that if you feel... Like you're somewhere else for two seconds. It's like dreams. We don't. It's a weird thing that happens, right? Well, I mean. We don't know how that works. What dude, does it mean to feel um, like you live dude, somewhere else? I think I think there is science that could tell you how that works. I'm just not the scientist. But don't say shit like that at this table. <laughs> it's like that's some Bill O'Reilly level shit. Don't do that here. You can't explain that. <laughs> No, it's just look. I'm pretty sure it's different kind of neurons, (laughs) you know, shooting out, you know, getting certain olfactory senses, certain like you know, memories of clamminess. Like you know, I don't know if I want to live in that world. I want a world that actually has been magic that explains that. I always think rather than it's just neurons firing. When I, dude, I always had this really hard problem of watching movies and not (laughs) putting myself (laughs) in this totally cheesy kind of position okay so like 
when I would watch, for instance, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, right? When yeah. I was a kid, I saw myself dressed up in some kind of medieval wear, being basically carted around in an invisible chair, just watching everything, just watching it, you know? And, but I just saw myself kind of like, you know, when you go to those restaurants where they have jousting in the middle of them. Yeah. You know, that's what I felt like. Like, I, you know, I felt like I was kind of there, but I felt silly because I'm floating in this chair just over like, you know, Kevin Costner's shoulder. Like, hey, what's up? Dude, oh, you I can't see, even see, see my ass. I see what you're saying. You're talking about being the camera. He, well, yeah, but the camera just was basically me sitting down and in the appropriate attire like they gave you the costume like i see i see see what you're saying it's almost like a ride that you go to like disneyland and get into the right kevin costner (laughs) two-hour life ride right like i thought of myself as one of like the invisible cat-like fucking burglars in home alone (laughs) just watching my two friends basically be damn fools you know like i had this weird way of watching a lot of movies and, and when something really brings you in like this did, it catches you. It's <laughs> The only movie I didn't feel like I was somebody else, you know, like I was given the costume to sit and like, okay, watch this movie. Would you like some turkey today? You know, like, was fucking misery. That one I couldn't be myself in because I'm just like, I wouldn't even know what the fuck this is. So I'm just standing behind fucking... um Oh God, I forgot her name. I used to I used to watch every movie she fucking ever did too. Um, the whole sledgehammer scene, and I'm literally like, oh, Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. Like I'm behind Kathy Bates, shoulder just like hunched up, like damn <laughs> motherfucker, you got knocked the fuck out. Like so I'm just like shit, and I'm just like you know sitting there. Of course, back then when this movie came out, I'm just sitting there, just like you know when he's lifting his fucking weights with the typewriter. I'm just like, you, you do this, motherfucker. You get that game. You go chase them games. You know? <laughs> like, I was just, I was totally myself, you know, and it was hilarious. And so I guess maybe that's why I stopped watching so many movies recently because I couldn't see myself in any of those situations. Mm. I'm like, these are ridiculous. Like, I feel like I'm going to the mall in every movie. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. I know, and I understand. Like, the only Marvel movie I like so far that's come out was the first Iron Man. Everything else can just kiss my ass. <laughs> because at least the first Iron Man, to me, was like, this motherfucker is like, he, he's struggling with this, this bullshit. He like, he's just like, this is some shit, and I don't want to be in this. And I have no choice. Like, Robert Downey brought some, some heat to that. Mm-hmm. You know? But then after that, I'm just like, I don't feel like, like I imagine myself getting a ticket to Doctor Strange and I saw myself dressed up like Doctor Strange. I'm just like, no, I'm going home. (laughs) (laughs) Benedict, I love your ass to death, but I couldn't put on that Doctor Strange fucking cap. (laughs) I just couldn't. I couldn't, dog. I couldn't. Um, Cloak of levitation. Oh, yeah. But I mean, like, they don't. I feel like the last movie I really super enjoyed, super fucking enjoyed, um, shit, Inception. Mmm. 2010? I mean, that's bad. I mean, I've seen more movies, but I mean, Inception was one of those movies that I paid full price to go to a theater multiple times. I think I've given a movie theater at least. Oh, thank you, Kat. I think I have given various movie theaters at least 75. No, 150. Just from me alone. Like, I, 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 I cannot enjoy Inception at home. That was a movie theater experience, and I chose IMAX whenever I could. And no movie since then has made me do that. The last Harry Potter and Inception, those are the last two movies I really super enjoyed. And that makes me sad because I have watched for movies and, you know, I have people make recommendations, but I'm one of those people where I can just look at a poster. And if it's a certain name, I'll do it. And 
no matter what people say about Leonardo DiCaprio, he is like a blonde Johnny Depp. He's willing to do crazy shit. When I saw him in Django, I felt like he had the worst death in the whole fucking movie. Like, he was so repulsive. I was expecting him to get tortured. He got he got easy. I was like, damn. You know? But I didn't watch Django multiple times. I only watched it once. It was... <laughs> we were always showing, telling you about the movie about Mandingo and stuff. That's what that shit yeah. was an homage to. Um, so... I know we, we got off this rant from Dark City, but Dark City has this place in my heart like Strange Days does. Ooh. Something else I came to very late. Thank you, Nathan Machida, for making me watch it after I read the screenplay. Did you... That... That movie and Manhunter. Oh. Look, I'm not the big film person you are. But I do know one thing. I love Michael Mann's use of color in Manhunter, and I love Bigelow's fucking use of space in Strange Days. It was obvious. Like, they made their shit so obvious. The rich had the big space, the poor had the small space, and everything was connected. I was like, oh. And Dark City is like, you knew? You knew. You were fucked. But you were just like, you know what? Let's see how far this goes. You know, like, have you read the Watchmen comic? No. You should. Yeah. Because it just starts off fucked up. And it ends fucked up. But you are just so intrigued. You want to see how far the fucked upness will go. Darcy was like that. Now, so, because this, this is something I've, I've, I've wrestled with as... With ideas that I have, that I have the idea and then I decide I'm not sure if I want to do it. And can you communicate to me what that catharsis, how that changes you, having had that catharsis with that worldview? You emerge from that experience. It's a horror film. You've faced a monster. You've, you've, what, what, what has happened to you through that catharsis? I don't understand. Figuratively or movie wise? Um, like, figuratively. So, like, you were Jada before? Right. Two hours later, you've watched it. Yes. You've had the catharsis with that worldview. Yes. What changes you? Or what, what, what is changes in you? Um, I feel like a part of my warmth is permanently gone. Whoa. Like, I feel like, like, I feel like a part of my soul has been shaved clean for me. Like just one solid, super gossamer thin layer. But it's, that's what that movie did to me. But you keep going back to it. Yeah. Why? Because, you know, sometimes... It's good to be uncomfortable. Sometimes it's good to kind of dampen that comfortable human experience of safety and warmth. Sometimes it's good to go into someone else's head and see that they don't live in the same kind of comfortable world you do. And this was that movie. Like, yeah, I mean, it's going to be all sorts of technical fucking Hollywood mumbo jumbo of camera angles and lighting. But at the end of the day, this movie was art because it it really showed you the simultaneous mix of desperation and isolation. Mm. Just like, you know, Lost Highway was aimlessness. Like you just knew this dude is driving nowhere. Literally. You know? And I'm hoping to see more movies like this. Yes, there are some good films out, but like, I really want to go somewhere completely and utterly unusual. But, I mean, these kind of movies are not very comfortable to sit through, be they indie or not. I mean, it's cavey, you know? 
dark and cavey and and just something that's meant to sap you dry. You know, and and the and the the the, the cave or whatever of the strangers feels like an alien environment. It's like if I was standing there, I would not just be chilling, leaning against the wall. I would be unnerved. Yeah, but you know, the strangers were they wrong? Wrong what? Like, were they wrong to want to have the power that they wanted? I mean, you got to think about it in the sense they're kind of victims too. They just want to survive. What's wrong with fucking that? Oh, I mean, that's a that's a law of the jungle type primal perspective. Well, I mean, yeah. Be, um, I mean, I guess you know. Be, considering where we're having this conversation, there are people who would say, you know, that story of freedom in principle being the most important thing. This is just a perspective. Uh, freedom in principle. I mean, I, so there, there is that view and the other view of you just don't like it that they're trying to survive by using you. But you think about like a relationship, for example. Oh, shit. Are we really getting to that kind of angle? You just... <laughs> wow. You're going to bring fucking love into this shit. <laughs> That's some vicious shit. Go for All it. All you need is love. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So in a relationship... Um, there are times when you know, you need to leave a relationship for whatever reason. Okay. And you go, and it takes the other person by surprise. Okay. And they are hurt by that. And then they end up being parasites and corpses? No, 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 no. Um, unless you're a serial killer, I guess. But that's uh, not in this case. In this case... Um, They've been hurt, and eventually they, they go find another partner, and maybe you find another partner. But, like, that moment where you do something you believe you need to do, but it leads to the pain of someone else, mm-hmm. that's the same kind of moment as the strangers are working on me. I don't like the fact that they're working on me, but um, I can turn the tables, work on them, learn from them, and that's the other view. And I hadn't thought about it that way, and I, I appreciate that. Good movies have good villains, right? Because yeah. they're not really villains. They are people driven in a polar opposite agenda that conflicts with yours. Mm-hmm. And it's only perspective that makes them a villain. Right. And your perspective of their methods. makes them. But they could be looking at you like you're the villain. Think about that. Good yeah. movies always have bad villains. Like, okay, we brought up my love for Inception. All of those people were bad guys. Like, they yeah. got paid to basically mind fuck someone and take the fucking knowledge. Like, they're all villains. Yeah. But I, mean, I think I can actually remember that when I first saw it. Um, when they got the job and, and someone voices, like, a, a moral concern about how they're fucking with... Killian Murphy's mind and that they're basically building a false memory of relationship or of understanding however you want to describe it but like when they got their mission I got a bit uncomfortable and I went oh well, I'm agreeing to this now I'm agreeing to support this okay oh you got unnerved you should have rejoiced that was you were actually seeing <coughs> you were actually seeing how real professional villains do it I know I I can have that perspective now but at the time because it was such a surprise to me, uh, and I don't—I didn't realize until now why. Dude, they were the ultimate cat burglars. Mm-hmm. But you know, speaking of Christopher Nolan, The Dark Knight is another example. Um, you know, I have a. No. Okay. When it comes to Batman movies, nothing to me can compare to Tim Burton's original. I'm sorry. Michael Keaton has a place in my heart that no man can fucking touch. Not because he was my first Batman. He was not. Adam West was my first Batman. Michael Keaton brought sarcastic cattiness to that role. He made Bruce Wayne human. Handsome, selfish, but a comedian. Hmm. 
You think that's why they cast him? Because he came from that comedian. I have to confess this on air. I don't think I've seen that movie all the way through. It's one of those movies where no matter how eclectic Tim Burton gets, I will always understand that Tim Burton is doing him because he likes it. But if Tim Burton was doing something pop starish, he could knock it out of the park. Jack Nicholson, I know everyone's just like, oh, oh, you know, Heath Ledger is a better Joker. No, because despite that role, Jack Nicholson is still alive and still snorting cocaine. He could handle that role, okay? And he was better at it because he was motherfucking Jack Nicholson. Would I want to be in an alleyway between Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson? No, but I would pay money to watch that brawl. And I know Jack will walk away from it. Jack was the Mike Tyson of Jokers. <laughs> and having a sarcastic Batman, an asshole nutso Joker, and Tim Burton, and you got Prince fucking making shit? Okay. I'm sorry. No. You had some titans on that motherfucker. <laughs> and do I give Chris Nolan his benefit and his due? Yes. But Prince ain't never did his soundtrack. <laughs> I, have you seen... Okay. The, the Nolan movie that everyone is at the bottom of everyone's list and is at the top of mine is Insomnia. Hmm. Have you seen? Mm-mm. Okay. As far as villains go, Robin Williams in this movie. You talk about the strangers. Uh, actually, that's, forget the strangers. But I don't know. He 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 brings a pathos to it as a tragic villain. One hour photo. Yes. I've only watched, I really want to watch it again. I've only watched it once because every time I sit down and do it again, I, I, I get very unsettled. Uh, Mark Roman, I, I, he really needs to do more movies. He was going to do a Wolfman movie. I would have I paid think, heavy money. I, uh, I, think, um, I think comedians make the best villains. That's how I know that fucking Jack Nicholson is probably a riot. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the scene in The Departed with the dildo. That was just Jack Dude. When I first, I first saw Tim Burton's work when I was, what, nine years old? Pee-wee's Big Adventure? I still get scared to this day. I'm a 36-year-old woman. This was like damn near three decades ago. I still get afraid in that fucking scene where the truck driver looks at Pee-wee and the claymation face happens, I still get scared of that shit. <laughs> that scarred me for life. <laughs> and I'm like, Tim Burton, you have a fan for the rest of your life. Just take my motherfucking money. <laughs> I like when he did Sleepy Hollow. Yes. This was... Oh, I love when he killed when he showed him killing that kid. That was awesome. I was like, Tim Burton's going there. <laughs> He's like, the gloves just came off. He's just that, like, come at me, bro. I don't know what it is, but that's one of those movies where I'm just like, I want to have a good time. That's one of my good time movies. I would just sit down and be swept up. And... It's one It's one of those movies where it's just like, they just don't do them like this anymore. Oh, Christopher Walken? And you know, and you're talking about- Everybody the clay- who was dark, the dark closet corner. The, the, clay, the claymation face you were talking mm-hmm. about? For me, it's it was the witch in that movie. Oh, God. First time I saw it. This was the first movie. I was about 15. Yeah. This is the first time. This is how, how small I started. First time I said, I'm going to sit down and watch a scary movie by myself. And so my mom was working late or whatever out to ballet. I don't know what she was doing. One night and I sat down with Sleepy Hollow close to the TV. Wow. You um, got in all up in that shit. Room dark behind me back to both the stairs and the front door. And I watched that movie. And that scene. Freaked me right the fuck out, dude. And to this day, I even when I know it's coming, it's just a little. You know, my heart twinges and just goes. Oh, I can't. And and you look at the effects now, and they're, you know, they do not uh, age gracefully. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, what know. matters is like even if it doesn't age gracefully, you still watch. You still get creeped out. Yeah. I mean, 
Tim Byrne can take a piece of paper and a stick and terrify the fuck out of you. I don't know how he'll do it, but he'll do it somehow. And, you know, and actually, just while we're on Edward Scissorhands, is... That was a tragic movie. I But see, I can't... There are very few times when I feel so uncomfortable that I... That's not true. Um, something to make me, like, emotionally uncomfortable. Not just uncomfortable, like, people getting chopped up on screen in gruesome ways or whatever. This is like, when he tackles the girl to save her and his scissors go crazy and he gets demonized i feel such a strong sense of injustice and such rage at it that and i can't stop these people on the screen at this moment i feel so hard for i cannot watch that movie anymore i I don't think i've seen past that moment actually so you brought up dark city Right. You brought up Prometheus and the Gnostic Corner. We talked about lots of stuff. <laughs> but I'm just curious. Do you even really think in your heart of hearts that the writer and director of this movie was really trying to subtly portray Gnosticism? Or do you think this I, is something that you no, put in there? I absolutely believe that's possible. That, that someone can have a that metaphorical is narrative such, underneath. That is such a wussy affirmative. Yes or no? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Dude, I don't know. I think you're kind of reaching. Gnosticism? Yeah. Of all the religions in the world, yes. Gnosticism. Yes. All right, man. This is JC signing off. And Alejandro. This has been Others at the Table, a podcast by weirdos that the weirdos don't talk about. Updates every two weeks on Mondays. And check us out on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. For updates, and to check out our blog, check out Last Train Theatrics, L-O-C-E-M-O-T-E dot me, locemote.me. Again, that's locemote dot M-E. Sound design and recording is by Puri, LLC. Music by Justin Mehar. It's called Pumped.